are listening to the Evolution Exchange podcast, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the UK. I'm Mike Sullivan, I help connect businesses with tech talent, and today I'm your host. And I'm joined by a great panel to discuss how do you maintain the balance between diversity, culture and growth? It's a topic that I know a lot of people face when they come to grow their team and headcount head to their company. So before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room into some introductions. I'd like to know who you are, what you do and what you're passionate about. And let's start off with you, Felipe. Hi there. Um, so um, I'm the CTO at Loyalty Lion uh, and we are a SaaS business that uh, provides a loyalty program for small businesses uh, and medium to small businesses into any kind of platform uh, like Shopify and a few others. Uh, and we are there really to help uh, on this age of Amazon uh, to try to fight a little bit of the big guys uh, and give the, the people on those shops uh, a bit of ability to be able to retain and foster their, uh, their customers. Pleasure to meet you, Felipe. Over to you, Jay. Or Jamala, sorry. Um, no, no, that's fine. Actually, that's a good introduction because I do go by Jay. <laughs> um, so I'm Jay, um, currently CTO, co-founder at, uh, at POD. Um, I've, I've worn many hats over the last few few years, a little bit longer period than I would like to admit. <laughs> like, as you say, uh, most of you have had quite a diverse bit of experience, um, but most of mine have been centered around people hacking, kind of like, how do you get the best out of people, grow, you know, interesting teams. Um, I don't want to say that I create, you know, efficient teams, but <laughs> I create efficient teams. Um, what I'm passionate about. So I'm I'm hyper focused on on how to get you know people to have fun and and create you know magic. Um, I think it's a powerful thing when you find interconnection with people, what they're doing, and and you know how that solves the business business's goal. So that's one of the main reasons why I'm here because I think this topic is a very powerful one. Pleasure to have you, Jay. And over to you, James. Hi, so I'm James. Uh, I'm currently CTO at Zero Gravity. Bit of background, I've been involved in sort of seed, series A, tech startups for the past nine years, where I've done quite a few different things, a little bit of consulting, um, but mostly as a software engineer. Um, in terms of what Zero Gravity does, we are a business that is focused around um, bridging the gap for diverse talent in the UK and getting them into uh, top universities and top careers. So the way we do that is by mentoring people uh, into university, by matching them with somebody at the prospective university they want to go to, as well as a mentor uh, at a prospective uh, career that they want to go into. Um, in terms of passions, I think uh, being a tech guy, I'm really just passionate about solving world problems with technology, which has kind of led me to zero gravity. In the past, that's been in different verticals with, you know, like finance or in sort of logistics and delivery. So, uh, kind of through and through, tech person is what I would say. <laughs> nice one, James. Great to have you on. And last but certainly not least, Paul Ingham. Hey everyone, my name is Paul. I'm a head of engineering at Holiday Extras. Um, Holiday Extras is predominantly known for selling ancillary products around um, your holiday experience, so car hire, car parking, etc. But we want to go a little bit further than that. We want to remake that um, making of the holiday experience. 
So we're becoming a little bit more trip uh, experience based. We want to um, make holiday making more fun, more personable and simpler to use. Um, a little bit about me, I've been a techie for the last 18, 19 years. Um, I really, really like building high performing teams and putting the baseline in play to monitor and measure them. So enable them to grow and continuously improve. Hence why I previously appeared on a, a podcast with Michael talking about the creation of high performing teams. Nice to meet you all. Fantastic. Nice to have everyone on, as I said. Uh, so yeah, now we've established a context to each of you, let's move to the topic in focus. Um, we're all here um, with an interest, obviously, in how do you maintain the balance between diversity, culture and growth? Um, we've got a number of questions to cover this topic, so we'll work around the room and ask each person to pose their question around the subtopic and the reason behind it. Um, so each of you will have obviously a take on the situation. Um, and let's start off with your uh, question, please, Felipe. Thank you, Michael. Um, so my question is really around um, small businesses that grow uh, while trying to keep uh, and evolve their existing culture can face big challenges. Uh, especially when bringing new people. Um, and my question is really, how do you scale the culture uh, as the company itself scales up? Great stuff. Thanks, Felipe. And Jay, would you like to start, would you like to kick things off? Yeah, no, that this this is a very powerful one. Um, so my, my last gig was particularly around scaling an organization. Uh, I was at Word Remit. Um, you know, where we're going through some immense change, immense growth. Uh, one of the things I guess that stood out um, is that you probably need to be very, very stubborn on what your culture, like what you define your culture to be. Culture will evolve, you know, as you bring in new people, you know, you have additive culture, you need to understand what you can benefit from, you know, their participation in, in how you deliver the value that you define within the company. Um, but at the same time, you need to make sure that you're not deviating from those kind of core um, values and missions that you're going, you're kind of going after, ethos and so on. Um, particularly what I've found that's useful, um, and I think Paul, you've touched on this a little bit, is having the ability to measure what, you know, what good looks like. Because ultimately, if you don't have the ability to measure it, then you're going to potentially move away from baselines that you don't even, you, you don't understand how much it values, you know, the culture that you're trying to create. So regardless if you have 10 people or if you have 100 people, there are very, very specific things that you can use to measure that success in terms of what you know a cohort of people people are doing or what they're trying to go after. Um, so I'd say in terms of like as you're scaling your actual organization, because sometimes I don't think they're 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 of the same problem. Sometimes I think they're two two specific problems that you're trying to solve. One is how do you scale your company, whether it's from a revenue perspective, whether it's from the ability to you know to solve several different problems. And then the cultural side of it is potentially, you know, doesn't necessarily have to change, right? Because you can be bullish in your culture in order to even garner more output and scale your company. Um, the way I see it is that you can potentially get um, a maximum output from individuals, which potentially reduces your need to change or, or grow too much on your cultural side, meaning culture and people are, in, you know, inexplicably linked. How do you get the best of your people? I think it's by leaning in more into the culture, making sure that you can actually monitor it monitor the change, monitor the additive part of like when you're adding new people and that way you'll be able to pivot and understand whether or not the current culture you have matches where you're going. Because the biggest part of culture is the change aspect, you know, two, five years ago, you probably have a culture that did work. It wouldn't necessarily work in adopting the right talent and going after the right mission now. So it's just making sure that you have that continuous 
kind of view and discussion, what is success and so on over time. Thanks, Jay. And over to you, James. Yeah, thanks for that. That was that's really interesting to hear, actually. I think um, my points on this, and it's something that we thought a lot about at, at, at Zero Gravity, actually, was that you know when you found something, we joined really early on. I say it's it's quite easy, um, or at least it's simple um, to define like what you think your culture is going to be, and when you're like up to like 10 people or something it's pretty easy to enforce that because you're all in the room once you start going beyond that it's you know kind of as you've posed the question for bit, how do you keep that same culture going right and it's certainly something that we pondered on a lot because we were worried about it we've got a very specific culture and actually we were speaking to jay in the beginning where like we we're in the office quite a lot which is a, a bit of a different opinion to have in 2022 so how do we kind of enforce that and you know, keep, uh, foster the buy-in. I think that the first thing is, I would agree with Jane saying that you've got to, you've got to be pretty rigid about it. You've got to foster buy-in. I think what we've done is we've spent a lot of effort and time and money on building out a really strong brand book and a really strong kind of brand identity that's very intrinsically linked to mission and culture. We talk about that as part of the hiring process. It has its own dedicated part of the onboarding process. And we kind of test for it quite a lot um, the whole way through kind of a new joiner. That I think is one approach. Um, and it certainly seems that everybody's on the same page. They kind of understand the expectation. They understand they're quite mission aligned. They get what the company's doing. And that gives you like a basis of cultural um, understanding. I think as well, you know, put it up in lights, like we tie all of our kind of KPIs and our like feedback in weekly one-to-ones management stuff back to cultural values. Um, so for example, we, we have that up on a, on a TV screen that everyone can see. For example, um, one of our values is like stand up straight. So like be honest, don't be afraid to say what you say. Like if somebody does something like that in a week in the team, we say, hey, James stood up straight or Felipe stood up straight. You know, he's embracing the stand up straight cultural value and people, you kind of they just always see it and that fosters buy-in. Could be a bit cheesy, but certainly for us, we are finding it's working and we've had, you know, we poll our um, staff every week in a cultural session, every two weeks, sorry, um, and say, actually, is this lame or does this work? And we've had really great feedback. So that's kind of how we've done it. And it's working so far with the scale that we've had. But whether that would work for 5,000 people or something, I, I don't know because I've not been there. <laughs> Interesting take, James, and over to you, Paul. Yeah, similar answer to um, the rest of you, really. It's all about constant communication and collaboration. Culture isn't something that you can copy and paste from elsewhere into an organisation. It's something that, well, as we all know, people are very, very different, right? And to have a culture, you have to let every person contribute towards that culture. And all that comes from the beginning, um, good recruitment, set of good values, but more importantly, Agility, if you define what your culture is and it's not agile, then you're going to be stuck in a dead end culture that nobody really cares about or drives towards. Culture should continuously be evolving. And that's what powers a great, a great culture for me, especially in, in a growing business, because if your people don't feel like you can contribute, you don't have a good culture and you don't have a culture that can grow or sustain that growth. Thanks, Paul. And yeah, I suppose, I suppose back to you, Felipe. Um, how do you scale the culture as, as the company itself scales up? 
Yeah, it's a. I think it's a is 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 a hard problem actually, and it's not a, a something simple. And I think, uh, especially what James said, is very similar to what I I believe in terms of having those core values and actually uh, communicate and and use that as your part of your day to day. And similarly at Lloyd Line, we have uh, a set of uh, values, and I tend to especially one to ones or when we're doing career progressions, uh, I tend to bring it back that uh, those values. It helps to sometimes illuminate a little bit the conversation. Sometimes a manager is having difficulty to uh, explain why that behavior is not good or something like that, and you can actually tie that back to those values, and you can actually help them to create that conversation point with anyone in their teams. But equally, uh, something that similar to uh, James doing in, in, in zero gravity, we do in, a, in our weekly company meeting. Uh, we ask our people in the in the all the teams in terms of marketing technology, uh, what do they you know do in terms of uh, to 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 embrace those values. So they can actually do shout outs about people that have gone above and beyond and done some of related to those values, getting uncomfortable and grow. You know, deliver over deliberation. So we actually celebrate them, and that's a really good uh, I think thing that when I joined Lloyd Line, I was really really uh, happy to see because uh, it was something that really worked. And equally, we do some polling uh, with our teams to understand how can we evolve? Is this still valid, still relevant? How can we do better? Yeah, that's it. Thanks, gents. Over to you with your question, Jay. Uh, thanks, um, Mike. All right, so so personally, my, my current, um, current role, one of the questions I've been trying to answer is how do you manage the balance between uh, I guess growth and scale um, and the team size and specifically how as you're growing how does it actually influence the diversity and the culture that you you have and how you evolve with the um, the overall strategy? This, this was a tricky one actually because it made me think about it in a, in a slightly different context um, honestly like you, we were talking about this before Jay as well just in the, in the preamble is that like you know what there is a difference actually between like growth and 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 culture right and like how does that as you say how does that impact on things so i think the, the, the biggest challenge that i could see when i was thinking about this is much the same as like staying your cultural course when you're growing like there is a tendency to be a, you know in charge of fundraising or sort of business success to grow rapidly right and just go go you know go really big really quickly that's always kind of the gut instinct Certainly it is, you know, you go, great, we can hire so much more staff. Actually, like, how does that impact the wider business? And I think for, um, in the context of tech and how I would think about it is, okay, like we're growing rapidly, we're gonna hire a load more people, um, but things are going so well because we've got this, you know, really um, great set of squads that are like super mission aligned and they've all kind of been hired early on in the journey. They all get what that is that they're doing. They're really aligned. Now we're going to bring in, you know, a few more squads all at once, all fresh people, if, you know. So for me, I think in terms of kind of what I would do is I would probably try and break up the squads a bit and move some kind of old hands into, into, the, into the new squads so that that cultural staying the course kind of goes in. Then I think, you know, it's back to that old keeping your hiring process uh, really strong. I think, you know, something that, uh, don't be afraid to um, enact your culture. If somebody comes in, they're not a cultural fit, um, they're not enacting the values. I think 
you've got to practice what you preach. And this is something that we found at Zero Gravity is that skills don't mean everything. You can hire somebody who's great skills, but if they're not cultural fit, they're not cultural fit. And in an early stage business, that can really change course. So you've got to practice it and you've got to sort of put your money where your mouth is um, with respect to that. So um, I think in terms of the diversity side of things, it's a another difficult point. Like tech is a difficult one for diversity. It attracts a very specific type of crowd, as we all know, struggle for every tech business. Um, I think what we can do there in terms of the hiring practice is to um, uh, sorry is to uh, make sure that we're looking at source for diverse candidates. A quick anecdote from me from the education sector is that let's take a big financial institution um, who's hiring tech. They use the same hiring practice that they use for their investment banking cohort, which is the same set of elite universities, which is the same set of uh people who go to those type of universities and then they ask the question as to why can't we get any diverse talent in well your source is the problem with that and you need to like look at actually uh you know if you're going to go to uh, a certain set of institutions uh and look at a certain set of uh you know schools then it's only a certain set of people who can go so you're never going to get any diverse talent you need to widen that um pool there which some companies are starting to look at for me, we don't we don't struggle so much because we're a young business. Um, it's it's kind of diverse already. We don't have those kind of hiring practices in place anyway, um, and we're actually seeing, you know, good uptake certainly the tech team of like diverse talent, frankly. And I think once you start making a few um, hires that that uh, you know are diverse, that it will attract more um, more candidates like that, particularly. Um, like women, that's 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 a struggle, right? Is that women can be put off all male teams. As soon as you start making a few and you can open that up, then that gets better. Good answer. Good answer. I'm gonna be really honest with BJ. I found this difficult, uh, this question so difficult to answer. Um there's so many angles that I could have gone down with it, but then every time I went down those angles, I was like, hmm, but then this, <laughs> this, and this. Um so for me, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to answer your question to the, the angle you're looking for, but how do how would I maintain the right balance between growth and scale? Well, I want growth and scale of a team to also be reflective of the culture. So the, one of the things I really, really like to ask right at the start of the interview process is, these are our values, but what can you bring to those values? What can you do that is different to take those values to the next level? Um, for me, it's uh, all about continuous improvement. Um, reason being is I want every single person coming into any organisation I work in to be a, an agent of change. And I want to, I don't want to have a crowd of 100 people all having the same mindset and methodologies. I want them to bounce ideas off each other and challenge what is the norm to push those values and, and direct it further forward. Now, that's quite difficult, especially when you do get to a team of 100, 150 odd people. But, you know, that that's a selling sign in that recruitment stage you can change our culture and you can make it better but you have to be diplomatic and make that approach work with the rest of the team so it becomes more of a, a diplomacy rather than a dictatorship um just to echo uh, james's comments on on like diversity i think there's so much going on in that diversity aspects everyone wants to be the game changer when it comes to you know having really diverse teams where it gets to the point where there's only, only so many new ideas 
But if you've got the right processes, the right values, and the right approach, and you know the right people asking the right questions, we've got quite a, a culture at Holiday Extras, and we had a really diverse culture at On the Beach Holidays. You get it into the core aspects of any recruitment trait. You make sure you're following the don't be a dick rule. Don't hire dicks. Make sure you, you are bringing in people who make people feel comfortable. Michael's laughing at me because I'm swearing. Um, <laughs> hire the right people to That's set that precedent <laughs> and make everyone else want to come for you, come and work for you without having to, you know, sell those traits uh, at that interview stage or recruitment stage. Yeah. I, I, again, I, I think it's equally to, to what Paul just said is, is a very difficult question, but uh, I think for me is I think it goes back to, to to some of the basics is in terms of the maintaining that culture that value uh, we discussed earlier. It's and incorporate that to your recruitment as well as some of you already uh, said. I think that's really important because the fit for me is one of the most important parts uh, on a recruitment because uh, skills even if we don't have the perfect candidates with skills, you can teach most of the time them and they can grow inside the company with those skills. But those values, if you don't have them very similarly or you don't you don't subscribe to them or you're not happy to be able to embrace them, becomes a very difficult uh, proposition to even to sell to other people in the, in the company that this person is going to join. And and actually the first meeting you have with them, they, they start to break down those values straight away. So and, and that's going to be important for you to maintain and scale up uh, your culture uh, as you grow. Um, and on the diverse side, I agree with Paul, is, is incredibly difficult and and if you think about the, the our cohort of, of engineering and and uh, STEM, most most likely it's 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 difficult. And but I think we need to do more. And I think we need to do more in terms of how we the, the way that we recruit people uh, and also the sources. James uh, very eloquently put. I think we need to be stopping with the idea that uh, we need to go to certain schools to be able to find the best talent because that's especially in our areas in technology, is something that's completely a fallacy and, and we don't need. I'm, I no longer use university as a, as a criteria, even as a, uh, as a prospecting because for a long time, because I think is I've met some of the best developers and never been to university before. Uh, there is benefits, absolutely. I'm not going to disregard the, the higher education, but doesn't mean that, you know, especially with the, the age of internet that we are, where information is so available and people can actually get uh, to a level that is is the same as, as some universities, so I don't see the problem. But yeah, I, I I do truly think that we need to to do better at sourcing and how we uh, maintain our recruitment and how we evolve that to, to to allow other people to be able to to be successful in our companies. Thanks, Felipe. Yeah, we've actually organised the charity swear jar um, with Paul being a regular on the on the podcast. We're, we're well on our way to a target of a thousand pound by the end of the year. <laughs> I'm declaring myself bankrupt right now. <laughs> um, I suppose back to you, Jay. How do you maintain the right balance between growth or scale and team size, and how does this influence your diversity and culture? Um, I mean, it's, it is a hard question. <laughs> so. I think when I was when I was thinking about it, and it's you know it's been transparent. It's one of the things that um, most of the companies have been in, whether it's like scale ups or or large you know in, um, enterprises. It's a question that we always kind of stumble in answering, and we fall into some of the trap of like get more hands, and it will it will give you more output. Um, what I've been kind of like trying for the last few years, and and what I'm going to probably take on board on some of the other additional feedback, is to try and make sure that we have you know. The values and the core, the core um, kind of ethos 
um, I guess, explicit as much as possible um, as a starting point. And then when it comes to the scale, because I think the biggest question for me is when when you start answering, well, we want to double the output of the business or double, triple the revenue or whatever, you start looking at what can we do, right? Normally it's, well, there's a bunch of features. Let us just get a bunch of hands to develop them. Um, it's just trying to be a little bit more intentional about exactly how we're going to incrementally get there. Um, because I think you can, I, I can't remember what the actual um, like research or documentation was about this, but there's a there's an element of incremental progress um, that has been written on and, and discussed several times where you can incrementally get to a faster outcome than actually you know rushing to scale there. Um, so it's kind of defining that growth a little bit better, more clearer as to like what exactly is the target, dissect that target even further down so you can understand does that mean several more teams or does that mean potentially optimizing the way that we work because I, I work on optimizing a lot. Um, so I, I imagine most of my teams, I, they're normally one third the size of a, a, the traditional team because I think have one engineer enjoying what they're doing, have some fun, learn and you know push the boundaries fail, not fail fast, but fail and learn fast could potentially give you more output than having three or four engineers trying to do the same thing um, and work out the communication lines and, and all the other stuff. So it is it is a hard question. I think going back to the kind of like the, you know, the bits I've taken from all of you, kind of like reinforcing, you know, the interview process, making sure that from a diversity perspective that, you know, put, pushing a little bit more there, right? We can't just go back to the same source. It's it's obviously a problem that we can't solve easily because of the STEM problem. But I, I do think that kind of like being more innovative, similar to how we're innovating on the engineering side, innovating more on the on the create on the, the kind of like hiring and diversity side to make sure that we can give you know equality and opportunities for um for the cohorts that definitely will add additional value to what we're doing. And then the other side is kind of making sure that when it comes to just the scale, being very intentional about what it is how we want to go after it and what exactly does it mean in terms of finer details in relating that back to a size of an engineering team that goes after it because you know you know too many hands in a pie actually makes it you know um so it's just making sure that scaling doesn't actually equal equal 100 people right scaling equals making sure that your your team can actually in incrementally get there and then you can find where the gaps are to add that incremental growth to it or incremental um, progress to it Thank you, Jay. Should we go with your question, James? Yeah, of course. So my question is short and sweet is how would you define a good culture or define a good culture? If you want to be even shorter than that. Um, that's it. <laughs> uh, I spent <laughs> most of my evening last night trying to figure out this question. <laughs> um, like how how do people define what good culture is is it opinionated yeah. is, is it subjective like so for me my opinion of what a good culture is is a place where people can go and enjoy the outcomes they are moving towards where they can deliver change and push things forward they can learn they can improve and they can essentially become the ideal version of themselves. If if my culture enables them to do that, that's my definition of a good culture. Um, I want inclusivity. I want freedom of approach, freedom of opinion. I want healthy challenge and healthy debate. I want a team to move forward as a team. I don't want anyone to feel like they're the smartest person in the room, because if that's the case, the culture is failing. And that, um, I'm trying to make sure that I'm counting to 19. My head has a monster in. 
with my answers and I've got 40 and forgot how it counts. This is good, but it has to be a fun environment. Hence why I like to take the, the mickey out myself a little bit. It has to be a fun environment. <laughs> and themselves too seriously. And that is an ideal culture for me. And it's one that I've uh, rigorously enforced everywhere I've been to make sure that people enjoy coming to work. They take value from it, but they deliver outcomes, not output. Right. Yeah, I, I think you nailed uh, there on um, <laughs> Paul because uh, I think having a fun place to come that you feel comfortable and you feel safe uh, to be able to, to to put your ideas forward, I think it's is incredibly important. Um, and since we are in that that subject of uh, culture and and scalability, I think maintaining, uh, I think that's why I like to link to the values again because the values will help you to maintain that base. Uh, you know, um, not taking yourself too seriously. I think, you know, you need to come to the a more lighted hearted uh, approach to certain things. Um, otherwise, people become super robotic or become too, um, you know, um, not give you 100%. Um, and, and you need to get that balance correct from the beginning. Um, so, yeah, so it's, a, I think the good culture is, is, is very much a, a mixture of things that, allow people to excel and uh, you have a, a, a time to, to for fun as well as hard working uh, because hard working in a way uh, can pays off and as a people like that uh, dopamine hate that when they accomplish something and if you have an environment that forces that you're going to get people wants to come back for more and that's where I think us as leaders we need to foster that environment uh, to create that um, space for the, everyone to be able to, to excel. Yeah, that that's quite powerful. Actually, so what I was um, when you were going through it, I was trying to change my original answer because I think it was probably not multi-dimensional multi enough. But it was funny because I, so I wrote a, um, a presentation once uh, about kind of like all oh, this the summary of this topic, and when I was looking at what like what a good culture looks like, I was actually trying to think about it. Should I even answer like what would I define it as, or would it more like how do you come up with a, a good culture? Because I think it is so it is so diverse in terms of like what it means for different environments um just that like if you go back to your your environment like james right your culture is about coming together physically and and kind of like pushing those boundaries and having fun and all the other aspects that you've probably defined around it um i think coming up with culture is an interesting for me personally coming up with a culture is actually the fun part of it because we celebrate and own it and can evolve it and shape it in the direction that works for us um, so it's kind of like culture starts with, you know, a seed and that seed is going to be those who start the business or those who are in at that point when it's time to reinforce a specific, you know, stamp, <laughs> um, like how you continuously evolve that when back to my, my first kind of like view on, on making sure that culture is trackable is by making sure that you kind of continuously take that temperature in the company. Um, so you have 10 people, the culture of with 15 people or, or 100 people is going to change, like expected to change. But as long as you know how you're going to kind of like get that temperature, understand what works and what doesn't work, continue polling, um, giving that transparency and that feedback, you know, to your to your teams. Um, sometimes, for instance, you can have teams having amazing fun and productivity sometimes are, you know, it's impacted. But some, sometimes you do have a benchmark across several things that maintains that balanced output, right? Because there's an element of sometimes burning out, but we're doing great, <laughs> right? Um, so I think the, going back to the question, I wonder if the, the kind of opportunity would be to answer 
how do you make sure that you can evolve your culture based on where you are and where you're trying to take your team? Uh, and you know that's what I've personally been always trying to do because I think working in an in an amazing place and having fun for me is the ultimate thing personally. Um, not blurring that line between work and you know and personal, but it's for me my definition sometimes because of what I do. Sometimes when you are having fun and your job is kind of like an amazing experience, you kind of start pushing the toe that toe in that line of personal. Um, and, and business and our job is to kind of make sure that there is that line but we help define that with our teams because that's ultimately going to be the culture right so thanks gents to an important question i know you mentioned before james stand up straight how else do you define a good culture <laughs> yeah i mean well, first of all thank you for your thoughts guys they're all really really interesting i think um this is a tough one because um, it's something that I'm really passionate about. Uh, well, we're all passionate about, right? And, and I kind of wrote the question and I went, oh, God, hold on a minute. How would I define a good culture? And I think um, touching on Jay's point first, if I go into that around like environment and things, I think that that's kind of the crux of the point is that like what, what I say for here, well, it wouldn't work everywhere because we're a specific crowd. Like we are, uh, we've got a very kind of, specific demographic of staff like we're in a specific vertical as well and I think that's the point is that this kind of flex idea is really at the core of things and I think uh, I would always say personally and I think zero gravity is business as well is that you know as we shifted and hopefully as we grow as a company I think it probably would change it probably would flex for now as you know quite an ambitious um, we're still in seed stage really um, startup we landed early on on this idea of kind of being very mission mission led and that landed us to uh saying okay so how do you want to do like the remote thing and like what's going to go on there it's post-covid it's 2022 like how's that going to work and i remember having a conversation with joe our founder and joe was like okay so the dev team's going to be fully remote right and i was thinking firstly i was like yeah like that's that's like the default approach that's what everybody kind of wants to do and then we started building around out the culture for like the rest of the business. I was like, I don't think this is going to work. We're going to be siloed and kind of like on the other parts that we talked about earlier in the podcast around um, alignment of things like we're just going to be public enemy number one because we're going to be the only team that like is fully remote and, and it's not going to work. Um, and then I said, hey, Joe, man, I'm not going to be able to hire like anybody who's fully in office. Right. So like, that's just no way that's going to work. So we kind of did the thing that a lot of people do, which is hybrid, right? But I think we are more in office. But when we actually polled people, we asked about it in the interview process. And hi, we said like, okay, so what are your cultural expectations? What do you find interesting? Like, because we're a, we're a younger, like most people in the business are kind of late twenties, I would say is our primary demographic. Um, they really wanted to be in because they want to, they're kind of, you know, a, f a few jobs into their career kind of, uh, thing like they wanted to be in they missed that as part of covid right people with families think that wouldn't work so that's kind of my preamble to, to, the, to the culture point but that's an anecdote from zero gravity's early days is um, and, I, and i think for me my like one sentence definition of a good culture would be um, a good culture is one where there is high trust amongst colleagues and i think trust for me is the key one i've seen it go really wrong in the past 
Like I kind of see everybody in the business, no matter their seniority level within a team or whatever, as kind of like their own mini expert. Like if I'm talking to somebody in marketing or whatever, and they're telling me something, I like trust that they know what they're doing, right? And if they're talking to me in tech, I trust, you know, I hope that they trust that I know what I'm talking about in tech. Same if I'm talking to a more junior engineer, I still trust kind of what they're saying, right? And from that trust breeds an environment where you're not afraid to say what you think, which I think is this, kind of the next pillar of a good culture, is being able to challenge things. And I always, you know, it's that kind of, I want to be the dumbest person in the room type anecdote that people say is that I want people to say, hey, James, you're totally wrong. That architecture sucks. Like that's never going to work, right? And not be afraid that I'm going to go, uh, what? what are you talking about? Blah, 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 blah. You know, like that's, 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 that's bad. So trust and willingness and ability to um, debate and talk about things is um, really important. And I think then the third pillar would be mission alignment. I think that's really key. Some businesses it's harder because it's a little bit more loose, the vertical, but zero gravity is pretty easy. We've got a very kind of strict mission, which is get people into universities and into careers, like from diverse backgrounds, that's it. Um, you can foster that mission orientation, I think, uh, quite easily, actually, if you build a, a strong enough rhetoric around it. Um, so I think, in summary, those would be my three key pillars, essentially. And we've built, you know, the whole zero gravity culture basically on the back of those things. Like I say, the, the, the actual values that we have are like stand up straight, run towards danger. We use these action kind of type words to, um, kind of off the back of those values to say, you know, you're not afraid to stand up straight to, you know, push back on something that you think's wrong. You run to one stage, you know, you, you're very mission oriented. You want to, um, you know, push the boundaries of what it is that you're doing within your work, so on and so on. So, yeah. Thanks, James. And, and over to you, Paul, with the last question. Those were really good, good answers. So I appreciate it. But, um all the honesty and, and transparency in those those messages because uh, there's a lot to take away from from everyone's point of view and obviously um, challenges us all to go away and think about what our cultures look like and how to improve them going forward which is really great to see so my question um so my answers have mainly been focused towards uh, engineering as a as a team rather than an entire company and one of the things that you generally see and james has touched on it uh, in that previous answer is you know, sometimes technical teams can be public enemy number one because their culture is often far more progressive compared to the context environment who were predominantly allowed short breaks, having to answer a lot of calls, high stress environment, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of companies struggle with that single definition of a company culture organizational wide. So if tech and products have one culture and the rest of the business differs, how do you align and drive that great company culture as a whole? Yeah, it's a very good question. Um, and I was debating uh, earlier with myself here when I was actually preparing for this question as well. Um, I, I think that what I've seen in my career is that, especially product engineering, as you, as you singled out, is can have that, what I would call a subculture. Uh, it's still embedded into an overall culture of the company if you have strong values. Uh, but you do have, as you said, more progressive, uh, you know, that um, almost idea of continuous improvement, I think, is quite well in balance, uh, embedded in some of those teams. And then they always want to do something a bit different. They always want to improve. Um, and all the other areas of the business, perhaps sometimes can be a bit more risk averse. And they, you know, they quite like to be on their own lane. Um, 
but said that I think is a, is a natural uh, kind of reaction us as humans to create tribes and to create our own little groups. Uh, and of course, on the back of that, then you end up having deviations of that culture. But I think if we, uh, based on what we have uh, this whole conversation today, I think we've learned as well is that company values and, and those core values, if they're there and they're um, exercised, I think you end up, you can have those different cultures or different subcultures inside your organization, but they all kind of aim backwards to those company values. And if you manage to do that, I think you can then align teams better because they're still very mission-led, as James said, very uh, you know oriented in terms of how you, you manage those, those outputs. So you can start to align them and you can start to have something in common. Um, but above all, I think, especially in the, the age of COVID now and, and hybrid working, I think those moments where you have to integrate people is very important. Uh, and it's something that we do at Line. I think is, is quite um, good. Uh, we have our budget for quarterly socials. Um, we tend to do in our own groups, of course, but every now and then we mix up. We do with marketing or we do with uh, the sales team. And that creates that bond that normally you wouldn't have, even if you are in the same office, because you could be engineering on the basement or you know someone on the third floor or wherever. And with those ideas, you can actually start to get people to talk about their personal lives. You start to get them to, to engage uh, on their day-to-day -day more than they would if they just being in opposite sides of the office and have their own little culture or their own sub, you know, tribe there. So I think it's 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 possible, and um, and I think alignment is 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 part of having that key uh, values uh, that you have for your company and trying to integrate them in in opportunities that you you have. You know, sometimes you're not going to have the budget. I'm sure you can get creative with other things, but it's uh, it's a way to to potentially bridge that gap. Yeah, that's that's actually a pretty pretty good way of uh, approaching it. Actually, um, I was just um, kind of like dissecting a few of the parts I was going to say in um, almost a one to one to what you just said. Actually, um, I I think one thing that I've I've seen that works is exactly as you said, reinforcing that kind of company culture at the top. Um, you know, I always have it where company uh, sorry culture is defined um, at the top. Or implemented at the bottom. If it goes around the other way, then obviously you know um, it would be overridden quite easily. Um, but that does mean that it comes with quite great power for those at the top to really sell it properly to their individual um, kind of branches. Um, I mean, the important part of that is that cult subcultures should be celebrated, right? It's it's the thing that if you do have the right leadership for each of those different um, sub-organizations, then they will find their own. In fact, it's very important for them to find their own identity in terms of how they do their work. Uh, can you imagine, for instance, a product organization, even though we're normally quite close, a product and design organization following specific engineering design um, principles, it may not necessarily allow them to lean into being designers, but there are specific threads that can help us think as humans, right? Um, some of the ethos that we can actually align by. And some of the stuff that we've done across several business is around making sure that those leaders speak quite often because you know culture starts from the top if we make sure that we're actually aligned properly and those subcultures will potentially be more additive than it will be um you know going in the other direction additionally though the more important output of actually having these subcultures is the learning opportunities because i think you know when we come to when we come together with design or editorial you know Cultures that don't normally get to have fun <laughs> in traditional sense, like engineering, 
what I've seen happen is that it unleashes a very specific sense of productivity and, and opportunity that if you had, if, if you all wear the same hat and if you all think the same way, you wouldn't necessarily have someone come with a, a nuanced way of asking a question or, oh, this is all we do in our, our, in our neck of the woods. And I think when you bridge together those different subcultures, if you, if you embrace it and everyone comes together in their own hands and comes together in whatever form, you know, um, you said about having make, make sure they have budgets to, to celebrate this kind of gathering. Um, uh, and there are other opportunities if you can't afford that budget. But the important thing is celebrating those individual subcultures, making sure that they all align properly to that kind of like top level funnel. Bring together people as often as possible, not in sense just as like team away days and all those stuff. Find projects that they can work on. I love my my junior engineers, which is kind of weird because you may think that even in engineering, they are subcultures. And when you have junior engineers, when you have senior engineers from different verticals within that kind of culture come together and you have someone asking a question that actually is a came, comes as a surprise to someone who thought they knew everything and actually helps changes that way of thinking. Um, so I, I would say a few specific points would be making sure that you have a cohesive definition of that company culture that everyone adheres to. Too much culture, too much definition, I guess, doesn't help. So have those core, maybe two or three, and then have those subcultures, you know, owning that alignment, right? So heads off will align to those subcultures uh, or to those top level cultures, um, meet frequently so that you can share wins, opportunities, whether it's as an organization, as a leadership team, and that way you can actually kind of like evolve together, have fun, um, and kind of make sure that you're getting the benefits of what happens when a group of different minded people come together. Amazing. I think I think these guys hit the nail on the head, really. Uh, I think that they're really interesting points. The two points that I would add to this would be, uh, number one, total agreement around like the agnostic um, company value. So I think, you know, at a top level, like outside of the team, there should be yeah this mission, this culture that is really um, rigorously defined and that people can follow so that you can align people to the same thing, right? And that that's where, in my view, the problem begins is on uh, misalignment and misunderstanding. So certainly if I reflect on my sort of career, particularly from transitioning from software engineering to like more management stuff, um, is in the early days I was pretty bad actually at like aligning wider stakeholders to what an engineering culture is and actually suddenly you know you, I'm in this position where I'm moving from like kind of software engineer or senior engineer where uh, you know I'm kind of focused on delivering and I kind of the culture is uh, just there to how to explain why like we do things in a certain way and like what the culture is in engineering and why we'd want to like move really quickly and break things or why we work in a certain way and so on and so on. I think as technology leaders that's like one of the most important parts of the job i think and i think you know it's certainly something that i had to like upskill myself into it was really aligning the rest of the business particularly to how technology works and why things are a certain way because once you get that misunderstanding you start to fall into that territory of oh, you know the tech team they're abrasive and so on and, so on. and i see it all the time actually when i speak to people in other like tech startups or even more mature tech businesses, you know, there's, there, there can be a lot of abrasion, particularly between tech and product teams. And I think it, oops, there we go. <laughs> Get out of the meeting room. <laughs> it's up. I'll, I'll mute while this goes, one second. <laughs> Is that running at danger, James? <laughs> <laughs> I think 
says. <laughs> Got a few on this podcast. I wonder how many buildings have three o'clock fire alarm um, tests, you know, because <laughs> yeah, my, my last company was the same thing as three o'clock on a, on a Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, we used to do Thursday at three o'clock. <laughs> there's, there's zero here, Felipe. I'm pretty sure the smoke labs don't even work in this house. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I think James is probably going to take longer than if we want to move to um, to Paul, maybe. Yeah, it might be actually a real fire alarm. <laughs> can, we, can, we just, can we just hope that you uh, chop this bit out of the video and put it on LinkedIn as a great off-cut in terms of this is, this, is, this is stuff that happens. This is the facial expressions that James pulls. <laughs> the reality of podcasting. Do you want me to yeah. carry on or do you want, do you want to finish? Yeah, if you, if you if you if it's still going on, it's just like... finished. There we go. There we go. I'm so so, so, so apologies for that. I um, but my point was basically, senior tech people need to align rest of the business. I sucked at it in the beginning. I had to learn very quickly that without doing that, you're going to start having a, a cultural pushback, and that's really you know cultural misunderstanding and not understanding what what departments do really is kind of what I think starts to um, erode at the cohesion between teams. Um, yeah, that was my point before I was really interrupted by various fires. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and over to, back to you, Paul. How do you align and, and drive a great company culture? Let me just uh, commend James there on his uh, vulnerability and uh, ability to talk about, you know, the things that he maybe failed at in the early start of his career. I think that's a really key attribute and, and one that probably um, defines what a good culture his, his business has in terms of, you know, never be afraid to fail, never be afraid to uh, talk about things that haven't got, gone right because, you know, everyone learns from us. Mistakes or things that we need to, to grow into. So I just want to say well done on that one, James. It was really nice to hear. Um, in terms of the way I do it, or the way I'd approach it, I think he's frozen again. <laughs> Is it me? Yeah, it's you. Yeah, unfortunately. Oh, I'll be back. Yeah, back. Thank you, Art. Hello? Can hear you now. All right, well, I was saying, you know, commendable effort from, from James. Uh, I really appreciate that, that vulnerability. So, right. It's called, cool. it's called covering, so, uh, covering your eyes. Um, <laughs> inclusivity and integration. Inclusivity and integration is as as, as Felipe put it. Um, shall I just start? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's just coming out fast. <clears throat> I think you've been a very probably slow connection. I believe. <sighs> Am I back yet? No, it's just cutting out. It's like Can you hear? You? Speaking that fast and then slow. Yeah. Here. Am, nope. I, am I back? 
No, it's not. It's not working. How about now? Yes, we're on. Cool. All right. You don't need my face. It's ugly enough anyway. Um, <laughs> I didn't want to. <laughs> yeah. So basically, James, you just missed five minutes of me gushing over your show vulnerability there. So uh, I'm not going to do it again, just for embarrassment and awkwardness. It's, it's weird. Um, it cuts out yeah, every time you try and say nice, Paul. <laughs> yes, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> ah, rumbled. Um, anyway, to answer. To answer the question for me, it's, it touches on Felipe's answer around um, inclusivity and integration. You can't uh, have a good company culture as a whole unless you include everyone. And one of the things that, that we've done really well by having a really progressive engineering culture is we've you know, expanded that to, to a leadership guild. Anyone can go within the business. But the idea is you take something you've tried, you cross pollinate those ideas into the teams and you talk about them across the business and you let people go and introduce those different ways of of working and progression into other areas of the business so you can talk and and um and invigorate other subcultures to grow and and, and challenge your culture which has been really really good and one of the things that um we've got a competency framework for engineering that's something we've spoken about that's something that's now going across most roles within the business all because of a progressive attitude of sharing that and ensuring that other people have room to grow in their in their role so to put it bluntly, communication integration inclusivity i think we're nice to see that we all share the same same view of building good culture apologies for my yacht internet connection <laughs> unlike most yacht people i'm joking to all the other yacht people um but yeah apologies for the intermittent issues there's a joke in there about a CTO with the internet or a head of engineering with internet. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thanks very much for everyone for the questions and uh, you know great contributions today. Um, has anyone got anything else to add or any any questions for each other? I do. Um, I wanted to jump on on something that um, that Paul just mentioned. It's it's not a, you know general part of the conversation around culture and um, and 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 so on, but I think it's actually quite important it's like the the part of like opportunities to grow in and 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 as it form a part of retention because i think one thing i've seen that normally happens in in most of the business i've been a part of is that we focus on on culture and growth without intrinsically knowing that a part of it is helping people grow through their own journeys like a part of the retention itself right you open the door but how do i how do i make sure that you only leave when you consciously believe that you've kind of like impart the value that you came to add, um, it's I think it's an interesting one. And Paul, I, I I heard a little bit about the growth aspect that you kind of mentioned, um, but I like the whole point of like making sure that that kind of like inclusivity um, does actually include growth and communication across all the facets. Um, you know, all the different different teams, all the different stuff that you do. I'll take that one step further. Is like. I think engineering always gets away with some of the kind of like interesting opportunities in businesses. And, you know, sometimes you have growth frameworks that is driven by engineering. Um, I've seen some interesting opportunities where leaders kind of come together across different businesses and try and align as much as possible, at least some commonalities with their, for instance, engineering framework, where you have opportunities for, let's say, an engineer who feels that they want to focus on marketing, you know, gets to work with the marketing team, potentially in your role and some opportunities there. Um, you know, it all comes back full circle when you think about the trust, right? The idea that I can learn something else and add value in a different way is actually quite important. 
especially when you know when you have high performing teams or individuals who grow in your company and then all of a sudden they're like not delivering the value that they were once delivering it's not their fault right it's our opportunity for us to help them pivot sometimes and add value in a different way so i think that inclusivity around culture and just organizational strategy shouldn't be isolated in one or two departments um i think that we all owe it to our engineers and to our you know marketing department and to everyone to make sure that all the good bits that we find from subcultures we push it up to the top right i think just, just that was a full you know a full circle to say that all those good bits about growth and opportunities and so on like well as leaders when we find them we should make sure that we never ever have a, a team that has to be lucky to have a good manager right it should always be what are the forums to say we've had this amazing thing that works in our team or in our organization and we want to just distill it down a little bit to see if we can work in other in other areas um because we've done that for instance when I, when I was at um, CNN um where Warner Media had this amazing opportunity before covid actually um to look at what engineering engineering was doing and the fact that we were quite flexible in terms of where we were and wanted to understand a little bit about how they could you know the editorial team could facilitate the same thing same value and so on so it it is hard but i think if you if you look at it as how do you push all of that opportunities up by constantly discussing as leaders which is why it's important that those you know those top kind of like leaders consistently kind of trying to bring up as much of the ideas from the bottom you know and have that bottom up approach is quite important you know it's about growth it's about opportunities to learn inclusivity uh, and distilling some of those fun things right up to the top so we can all benefit in, in one direction yeah. i think that's why it's, it's so important for um uh, someone that uh, i think is um um what's his name um patrick lencioni in one of his books um he, he talks about the uh, your first team as us leaders now ctos and head of engineers our first team is actually that as a team is a team that your peers in uh, marketing sales and i think it kind of ties up with what you're talking because it helps to understand and how actually you can extract things that are working in your organization and then bring that to the to the wider team that is your first team to then disseminate across the, the business but if yeah. you don't think that's your first team and and you're working with them to 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 the best of the company then it becomes very difficult you become more insular you become more siloed because you almost feel like in a protection way that oh I'm not going to share this because you know I don't want to uh, to be disruptive or whatever why don't feel safe to share that but if you create that bond and you create that leadership uh, organization properly and you have that safety to be able to discuss those things you end up surfacing those problems and you're going to have to have those hard conversations uh, and say how can we deal with this or how can we incorporate this good things that are happening in marketing into engineering and vice versa also yeah i completely agree and just touch on the bottom up culture aspect there i think realistically you've got to cross pollinate horizontally to enable that message to go to the top and that's exactly the kind of uh, kind of culture that that we generally adhere to share your ideas seek forgiveness not permission get those ideas as a group raised in those relevant areas and and that that's the joy of watching you know localized idea generation implementation filter up to the top and that's that's one of the key values and aspirations that I really enjoy in my role because it means that I can obviously see that happen and watch that culture and, and change happen yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna end my sort of cultural discussion on one of my favorite stories that's probably a myth um, no one seems to really know 
but it's uh, and it's space related, which goes to the theme of the company of zero gravity, which is um, President Kennedy. He's uh, he goes to NASA amid the um, Apollo missions to the moon. He's walking around and he's sort of uh, speaking to various members of staff around, you know, their roles in NASA and what it is that they're doing. You guys may have heard the story. And he goes to the janitor. He speaks to the janitor and he says, hey, you know, w- what is it that you do at NASA? And the guy says, I'm helping to put a man on the moon. Right. And it's super cheesy. Uh, and whether it's true or not, I don't really know. I don't really care, to be honest. What I love is the fact that the point of the story is that everybody from, you know, the astronauts back down to the janitor who's sweeping corridors is on the same mission that's so super aligned and i think for me that has always been what i kind of think as the uh, like epitome of uh, of a good culture right and something that i would always strive uh, to to get to it's been super valuable from my perspective guys to hear your guys' thoughts it's really interesting actually how you guys will approach this throughout your careers and your current businesses and i think there's a lot that i personally uh, I'm going to take away from this and sort of uh, Same. introspect and um, Same. see what I can uh, steal, quite frankly. That's all we do, steal other ideas and make it our own. So, <laughs> yeah, that's it. So, I've literally just read that this morning about the uh, JFK yeah. on Twitter because um, someone yeah. tweeted in return because obviously the politicians have been taking the mick out mm. the cleaners in Downing Street and someone posted your story. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah. uh, that was a little bit rebuttal to the uh, the piss takers in Parliament. Right. But... Quite. Quite. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Well, obviously, you know, thank you very much, everyone, for coming on today. Uh, absolute pleasure speaking with you all. Hopefully, you all took something from it as well. I know I have. Um, I want to take this opportunity to really thank you all, Felipe, Jay, James, and Paul. Um, for providing insights into the topic and, and thank you at home at, at home or at work for listening if you'd like to get involved in one of our upcoming uh, podcasts reach out to me on linkedin or by email at michael.sullivan at evolution-contract.co.uk